Welcome to another episode of Journeys in Entrepreneurship. On this episode, we have Udeme Ufot, the Group Managing Director of SONU, one of Nigeria's leading marketing communication groups with a strong reputation of professionalism and creativity. Udeme co-founded SONU in 1990. He has held several executive positions in the Association of Advertising Practitioners of Nigeria, including Vice President and President in 1997 and 1999, respectively. Udeme serves as a board member of the Nigerian Economic Summit Group, which is Nigeria's leading public-private sector economic think tank, where he chairs the board's communications and media subcommittee. In recognition of his services to the nation in the corporate sector, he was awarded Member of the Order of the Federal Republic, MFR, in 2014 by the Federal Government of Nigeria. Interviewing Udeme on this episode is Bukola Majekodumi. Bukola is the Founder and Chief Vision Officer at Bosworth Marketing Consulting, a multinational experiential marketing agency. Bukola is an alumnus of the Faith Foundation Emerging Entrepreneurs Program of the 29th cohort, and she started a marketing career as a promotional staff on marketing campaign with Tequila Marketing, and on this campaign discovered a love for marketing communications. She has spent over 20 years working in different capacities in publishing, public relations, events management, and marketing communications. Join us as we listen to their journeys in entrepreneurship within the marketing and communication space. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Journeys in Entrepreneurship podcast series. My name is Bukola Majakodumi. I am the founder and the chief vision officer of Bosworth Marketing Consulting. Today, I am super delighted to be sitting with one of the founding fathers in advertising in Nigeria today, the very phenomenal, very amazing Mr. Udeme Ufot, the Group Managing Director of SO and U. How are you, sir? I'm fine, Bukola. Uh, thanks for that uh, really amazing introduction. Quite a marketing piece there. <laughs> a worthy, worthy introduction. You're welcome. So, this is something that I had never really imagined that would be possible. You know, because I remember responding to uh, a modeling call as a young lady just in the university in the middle of the many ASU strikes. I got a modeling call to come to SYU for a casting. And um, I was in your office as a young lady, an undergraduate in the university for a casting call. And it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. I've also had the opportunity of working with your team, working on the Guinness uh, uh, campaign of the Water of Life project, working with uh, the Sachi and Sachi team and the SONU team, uh, Paddy Piro and the rest of them. And it was quite an experience, a thorough, thorough team you have there. Thank you. Well done, sir. <laughs> All right. So since we are now here and I've had this opportunity and I have this opportunity to sit down with you, I would like to ask, and I know you've been asked this question a lot of times. How did you venture into advertising and how did you grow through the ranks to develop to 
have an institution that is one of the most formidable in the world. Please tell us a little bit about your journey, your, your journey, sir. Um, I'm going to try. Thank you for the question, uh, Okola. I'm going to try and keep a very long story uh, as short as I can because of the constraints of time that we have. I actually uh, ventured into advertising by accident. Uh, my dad had different times wanted me to be an architect, then a doctor, then a lawyer. And then I had a gap year after my O-levels and uh, I wound up in the university library in Calabar and came across um, a publication. I still recall the title, The American Journal of Marketing. And I flipped through and came across a section on advertising. And there I saw this illustration of a very nice looking personable chap. You know, I can't remember what he was wearing, you know, a nice colorful shirt, a beige color linen jacket, wayfarer ray bands on his eyes. And under that illustration was the caption, a trendy art director. I said, wow, art director. Now, who is an art director? And I went further and I discovered that apparently I was made for advertising. Because in the creative part of advertising, you are either a copywriter. Copywriting means creative writing skills. Or you're an art director, means creative design skills. Now, I got A1 in literature in my O levels. I got A1 in fine arts. So it was like a natural thing to do. And my literature teacher in secondary school had once said about me, oh, Deme, literature is a hobby. So I loved it. So I loved to write. I loved to draw. And it was a big battle with my dad. Anyway, so I decided that I was going to go into advertising. And the way in would be through uh, a degree in design, uh, which I did in Amadibale University in the actual design department, specializing in graphic design. But all through my university career, there was a small agency in Calabar. I used to uh, intern with when I was on holidays. Eventually, I finished and... Um, but I must also add that in making the choice, it wasn't an easy one because my dad fought me all the way. He felt I was too brilliant to be reading design, graphic arts in school, and I should be a lawyer. And uh, we had to come to some compromise later on. And he let me be. And I promised him I won't embarrass him. I won't disappoint him. But even then, I think I should also add this aspect of this story. When I met my wife as my girlfriend, and she introduced me to her father behind my back. And the father asked her what this chap does for a living that's interested in her. And she said, advertising. The man was worried <laughs> and told her bluntly, I know his dad. Uh, I don't think he's going to be the one to feed you. Will he be able to feed you? What is advertising? But people did not know. But I, I chose this career and um, I really thank God for that discovery because um, I could have been doing other things, but certainly I would never have enjoyed myself. I've enjoyed myself in advertising and probably made something of it as I have done. I mean, I set out in advertising to achieve what I call three F's. I wanted to be famous, wow. like the searches. Mm. And I think it was given to me on a platter of gold in a way where the other is my friend advert. <laughs> I wanted to be to have fun. 
and I enjoy every moment of my career in advertising. It's fun. It's, it's the best one I can have. Then, of course, uh, I wanted to make a fortune. I wanted to be comfortable. I wanted to be not poor. Let's put it that way. I don't think I'm poor. So, um, so I achieved the three Fs, and um, but it, it meant taking some hard decisions along the way. For instance, moving from where I started my career in Calabar, because it became clear to me within two years that for you to be in successful advertising practice in Nigeria, the only place you could do it was in Lagos, because Lagos is the commercial nerve center of Nigeria. And so one day, again, against dad's advice, against my mother's, with my, her concerns, I packed all my worldly belongings in my VW Beetle and drove all the way to Lagos to start a career in inside communications, where I stayed for five years. And in terms of a career, uh, inside changed my life. Because when I negotiated my my package with insights, I told my boss then, Sir Jordan Shabanjo, that the increment I was going to get for moving from Calabar to Lagos was actually a deduction in my salary. It was 20, 20 naira on top of what I was earning in Calabar, uh, where I had a, a, a much easier life. But Mr. Shabanjo said to me, and it's a lesson for every young person, in Calabar, you have a very big fish in a small pond. Come to Insight, I'm going to provide for you a mighty ocean to swim and grow in. And that was it. And I grew rapidly in the five years I spent in Insight from being a senior exec and left as a deputy director. In one year, I think in a six month frame, I got two promotions. I think I'll pause there. <laughs> very, very interesting. I have pinned the three F's. Fun, being famous, and fortune. Now, which is everybody's dream, right? We all want to, especially the fortune part. Now, you've been an entrepreneur in Nigeria for a while. You must have seen many seasons in the life of a nation. Now, we are all at a different season. And right now, we are all ready to throw in the towel, to eat that jackpot or close down the business or do something else. So I would like for you to please share with us some of the many challenges you may have faced and how you were able to walk through and still be successful as an entrepreneur in Nigeria. Um, thank you. I'll start from the, what I consider the most fundamental in Nigeria, um, advertising agencies are not set up. But at the time when I started out, the people that you know set up agencies are the guys in client service, in brand management. So it was rather unheard of that an art director by background will be setting up and heading an agency. And even made worse by the fact that his two partners, Bemi Sage was also an art director, Jidaoku was a copywriter. And so three people setting out to start an agency and thinking they'd be successful was considered madness. So all along the way, we were told it would not succeed. Then they discovered that we didn't have money. And someone once said to me, how can anybody in this world decide to go into business without some bizarre fund somewhere here and that? And who, which client do you have? 
creative guys never meet clients. They are the guys in the back room doing all the work. They don't see clients. Where will they get clients from? So we started the business. I would say we were born in adversity. From day one, we fought to survive. And one of the things Julia would always say to me in those early days was, Udeme, we can't afford to fail. If we fail, they will laugh at us. And all the young people who look up to us were so disappointed. We have to more and to make it even worse, where we come from. She's from Crossover, or I'm from Aquibum, Bimi was Delta. It would be an embarrassment to our people. So we have to prove that, yes, somebody from where we come from can make a difference in advertising. So we have so much pressure to be successful. And but having that adversity also meant that we became rugged, you know? And when things were happening with agencies who were contemporaries, who were doing better than ourselves, because they were better funded from startup, we consoled ourselves. And one of our first self-advertisements was this line, we are long-distance runners. Nice. So we, we made our staff understand and told ourselves, whatever anybody is achieving now, they're going to get there. Just stay focused. And I always have this saying, eyes on the ball, knees on the ground. The eyes mean stay focused and stay prayerful. Right. Nothing you can't achieve. And tough times would come and they came. But like I said, because we were born into adversity, we pulled through struggling, fighting. And we, so we had our muscles well developed to survive tough times. When the tough times did come, it, disappointments, frustrations, but we pull through. But one thing else I also, also share, nothing beats having the right friends, the right mentors. And I could go on, on about friends because it's from friends that you have opportunities to show what you can do. Your skills stay in your head and in your hands. You need a platform to showcase those skills and it is your connections, your relationships, your friends that help you give, offer that platform to show what you can do. I tell my managers, the most fantastic footballer, your manager keeps you benched. You are useless. Nice. There must be a platform to showcase. But talking about mentors, one people who have had experience, who have seen it all, and who can advise you, guide you with all sincerity. In our ninth year or so, I got a shocker. I lost 45 million naira. 1990, yeah. I lost 45 million naira. It was a huge amount of money for me. For a company I started with 60,000 60, naira to lose 45 million naira. I was numb with shock. I was scared. I recall my head of HR coming into my office and seeing me the way I looked and said to me, boss, it's not the end of the world. I don't want any staff walking through these doors and seeing you like this. Anyone sees you in this manner, it means we are finished. So shut up, we are going to pull back. So I want to see a friend of mine, and I'll be very open. 
then managing director of Dunlop Nigeria, a mentor. He said, Jabe is there, allow you. Took me into his study and I poured out my emotions. He got a bottle of beer, brought two glasses, said, drink. And I drank. And he said to me, You think you've got 45 million naira? Do you know what some businesses lose in a day? What you must do is ask yourself, what got me here? Right. What did I do wrong that I shouldn't have done? What should I have done that I did not do? When you put yourself through that, he called it, put yourself through a brutal self-interrogation. You get the answers. And once you get those answers, you pull yourself back out of this mess. Oh, and by the way, when you get back to doing well, at the height of doing well, also ask yourself, what am I doing right? So you can keep doing it right and staying on top. And so that principle has guided me over the years. So the ups and the downs. And you'll, as a business person yourself, you'll acknowledge that the Nigerian business terrain is probably one of the most perilous in the world. There are always sharks hovering. There are always obstacles everywhere you must contend with. And see, so if you develop this thick skin and you have those skills that are kind of, you know, um, forged into you, you always have answers to survive. And yeah, so there have been great years, not so great years, awful years, at least on three occasions in the 33 years of SO and you. We went to the point where we almost wrote ourselves up as it is finished. But we bounced back. So, as a business, you must be resilient. You must build reputation because in the worst of times, it is that reputation that you have built you will leverage to get back into contention. You must remain focused, must remain determined. And as another friend and mentor once said to me, again, our volunteer names, one Adela would say, no matter what you know, you must still sweat. No matter what you know, you must still sweat. Hard work, hard work. The most successful people have the capacity to work amazingly long hours, on and on and on. And in my university days, I came across this quote, the height achieved by great men are not achieved by sudden flight, but they, whilst others slept, toiled on in the night. I pause. Amazing. That is amazing. So, as a business person in Nigeria, you have to be a long distance runner. You cannot survive on a, it's not a short distance. It's a long distance. So that's very, very valuable. Because of your, of your, of your, of your discussion, you know, we're talking about, um, relationship. You mentioned key relationships and I am going to ask you a very unusual question. So you left insight. How was it, you know, being in the same industry with someone that brought you pretty much from Calabar? What is your relationship with them, with Mr. Savanger now? What is the relationship with inside communication? Because you are like neighbors pretty much and you still see each other in the marketplace. 
So how were you able to manage all of these relationships? Well, I must say that um, one of the blessings I have from God is a gift of being able to make and retain friendships. My, my wife once said that one person that she is surprised that um, has friends he made in primary school. When my daughter was in Miami uh, last year, August, I had three guys who were my primary school mates with me in Miami. Um, it, yes, it takes some skills, some goodwill to build those relationships. And that was what I brought into business. I set out from day one, anywhere I work, that I must manage my ecosystem. It's about relationships. So when I, where I worked uh, in Insights, I gave my work my all. And I still recall, you know how the man in the shepherd can be. So you can imagine one evening I was working all alone in the studio, working flat out. My boss comes and he sees me working and looks around and he sees the pile of work I've done. He goes, he steps out. Next thing he had caught my immediate boss. And I overhear conversations. And I pick this phrase. You show? You want to kill that boy? I wasn't working. But I didn't feel I was being overworked. I just loved my work. So when I had to leave in sight, I must say I left when the ovation was loudest. I was actually given responsibility for four areas they were not, I was not being paid for. I was an art director. I was writing copy. I was in brand, I was managing four accounts as a brand manager in Insight. I was also supervising the production units of the company all on one salary. I gave my all. And when I said I was leaving, it was like, hey, this is the MB's blue eyed kid. But it would have to be very open. I got to my bosses, I'm at that stage in my life. I'm being troubled, I cannot sleep. Something says to me, now is the time to move. Right. I don't know why, I don't want to, I just want to move. And so my boss says to me, I hear you. If you don't like entrepreneurship, your seats and table remain here, come back anytime. But over the years I've managed, we stayed friends, again when my, when my father died, the city manager was in Uyo with me, uh, as well as my other bosses and Denise. We all remain friends. And the key thing is that um, if you are open, sincere, do unto others as you like them do unto you. You maintain your relations, you maintain your friends. And when you have the opportunity, you show strong level of sincerity. All, all good. So I've maintained that relationship. We've been, I mean, one of the biggest admirers and encouragers of SYU. And you, and the shop and girl itself. And when Insight marked 40 years, he said, Give me a Wushika, called me, and said to me, Demi, you know, you remain an insider. You are one of us. Just to let you know that Insight is now 40. And you are part of the celebration because in your days in the agency, you have some of the guys that made it happen to build the Insight brand, what it has become. So relationships are pretty great. Because uh, nowadays relationships are not really given the right place so, <laughs> in relationships and the way people engage. So that's that's something really, really profound, you know, to take away. So I would like to also come back to another critical set of relationships that you had.
with Julia and gave me to target. Why them in the entire agency? What stood out for you? for these individuals and how have you managed that? I mean, I just finished um, the EEP and part of my takeouts, you know, in terms of expanding our business was, you know, collaboration and partnerships. But I must say that it is not as smooth. It is not as easy as it looks. So please share with us, sir. Yeah, um, no, no relationship is easy. It's, um, you just have to commit to it, be open, Again, I say be fair and do unto others as you have them do unto you. Um, incidentally, uh, Sage and Oku are no longer with the business. Incidentally, but we remain friends. Um, uh, for Oku, she remains actually a part of the company. Uh, she chairs uh, one or two of our subsidiary boards and remains on the board of SYU. But the most important thing is that uh we are the appropriate at different intervals we parted ways in peace and harmony and the important thing there is that from packaging that relationship in terms of the partnership you must declare right. as to expectations mm. as to rules and you must set the expectations very clear one thing you must note i did not pick Bemi Sage because he was my friend to be my partner in business no at the time I considered starting SYU, I felt that Damien Sage was the best art director you could find in the industry. So he, had, he came for the value he could bring to the party. But differently with Julia, Julia and I grew up in Calabar. We've known ourselves from when we were teenagers. Uh, our parents were, were friends. So we had a lot of connections. And in fact, I would say she was actually the key, one of the key drivers. When I first mentioned the idea of having an agency, she bought him. I would always say to me, when I, when I hadn't come to some closure, but may, when you are ready, I'm ready, I'll go with you. And so we started this, and um, I was very clear as to what I wanted. And the bottom line, when you work in that kind of partnership, that you make your partners understand that there's absolutely nothing personal. When we win, and win well, we all enjoy it. And the finances are very important. There must be transparency in the operations of the business. Where people fall out in business with serious acrim money is where one person feels that the other or some people have been taking what they should not be taking. And so when you put the proper structures in place in terms of, of, in terms of operations, and you put the structures in place in terms of even relationships that are, these are well defined. At the end of the day, the most critical thing is that if you decide to disagree, you agree to disagree, and life goes on. So in in our in our in our in our fourth year, Bimisagri felt that he couldn't continue with the business. I had some family commitments, he said, and he said, make a choice. So he sold back his shares to the company because we also had a rule. See, there are fundamentals. Even as seemingly ignorant as we were at that time, yeah. we had gotten some good legal advice to ensure that there were clear structure of entry and exit. And so because he'd been with the agency for less than five years, he had to sell back his holding. And the rule was that if you were, if you choose to depart in less than five years of startup, you must exit and sell back your shares. 
Gilaku left in the 12th year. And so she took an early retirement, she moved to Port Harcourt, had to join her husband there, and took uh, an early retirement. But she retained her shares in the company, remains on the board of the company, remains is, a, is, a, is the chair of two of our boards and on a few other companies. And we remained great friends. Even Sage and I, we interact from time to time. He's based in, in Sapele now, uh, running some family business. So it's about um, being able to manage relationships, being fair, and uh, being receptive to other people's opinions too. I really love that. <laughs> I really love that. You know, um, the clarity that you had at the beginning of the business, you know, when you were setting it up, you had proper structures in place. You had pretty much clarified what will happen. I like what you said about if you exited before five years, this is what will happen. So everyone kind of goes in understanding what will be the next step if we decide for A, B or C. Yeah, I think it was also helped by the father having had the opportunity of working in insights. Uh, I think um, what I got, I got to learn, there were about six or so partners uh, when insight first started. At the time I joined, they were down to, to four, then down to three. The point is that there'll be exits for one reason or the other. And so if you proactively plan those exits, you minimize acrimony and bad blood. So um, we've thought about that. And it's also not, you know, um, or let me put it this way. It's also obvious that the journey of entrepreneurship, building a business is not easy. And not everyone may have the lever to go through the, the down times. You know, once you've taken a position in the business, you work. And for my partners, like I said, only I had money and just 60K. So they've technically worked it. You can't take the gifted equity in the business. And after two, three years, you decide you are not doing it again. You hold on to the equity. Now imagine that if you didn't have that clause of in less than five years, if you quit, you sell back. My friend, Demi Sage, left in his fourth year and he will still have been creaming out on labor and sweat 33 years after of everyone else. I mean, you know, you know advertising is a talent business. You know, the machines we have are the people, you know? And so you're only as good as the people that you have. And so the idea of someone sitting somewhere creaming out for doing nothing just because he or she was opportune at some stage to take a position it's not really fair to the guys who are running the farm for the moment. And I always had it in mind, you know, that SO and you will be truly a long distance runner, you know? And I said to my managers today, the, the real joy I want to have is that God keeping me on my 80th birthday, a bunch of guys come visiting management team from SYU coming to say to the founder, happy HS birthday. And the company is going strong and prospering. That is my dream. And so everything that can be done to ensure that that dream is sustained, is a commitment for me to work on. And I think even for Julia herself, whenever she comes in, she will, she will or even she will come and go, Demi, well done. You've kept this thing going, you know? It's amazing how long 
it's come because nobody ever gave us a chance. I mean, seeing 33 years of SYU to me is in some way a miracle. And it's just God at work. And God works in pretty mysterious ways because even the things that you do, I, I tell people that it is God that makes those things that are seemingly foolish in your own eyes and turns foolishness to great wisdom. Because even my wife told me when I left to start SYU, how could you leave? Wrong timing. Everything you do, wrong timing. But all the wrong moves turn out right. What else? It's God. <laughs> Absolutely. Wonderful. Great, great depth and wisdom. Thank you very much. And I pray that that dream will come true. <laughs> In the name of Jesus Christ. So, finally, I'd like you to say a few words to young people. You know, because the advertising industry is full of really young people, very volatile, very talented, all the good and the bad and the ugly. So what would you say to them? Realizing now that you really started very early, you know, what would you say to them? Think long term. Think long term. I had another mentor who said to me, the biggest problem with Nigerian business people, Nigerian businesses, is short-termism. They never think long term. They take decisions that favor them today and forget the implications tomorrow. See, all I have done, I mean, I had friends of mine in the early days of SYU who would come and say to me, the company is making such a big name. But you are still so poor. You are so poor. Yes, you say you are so successful. Money in the bank for S Y and you. Whatever we say, if you stay now and drop 10k, you don't have. Because we were constantly investing and reinvesting in the business, investing and investing in ourselves as managers. You know, at the time I had to go to Lagos Business School, I couldn't afford the fees. It was two, just 250k. I paid in four installments because mm. I needed to get that exposure, that training to be a better manager. And the school did not just give us training to manage our businesses better. It opens a window of opportunity, it a powerful network to plug into and make friends upon friends upon friends and expand. And almost everything I've done thereafter, whether my involvement with the LBS to the NESG, I'm on that same platform. So it's about thinking long-term and then don't think about what you lack. Think about that little bit that you have and how you're going to use it to compensate for the things that you lack. Amazing. Thank you very much. I'm going to get through a bonus question into that, but I just wanted to reinforce what you mentioned. You know, just before we walked in, you know, Shemini was telling me that she took the EEP. I could not believe that the great Udemy Ufort took a course in EEP after so many years of running a business. So that for me is one of the biggest takeouts of this conversation. Really, you know, making sure that I'm improving on improving myself on a daily basis. So the iconic Udeme is a great man. Tell us, how did that happen? We just, I mean, we weren't in the room. Just give us a sneak peek into what happened and how that emerged. Well, it's pretty simple. Um, 
Diageo owners of Guinness Prime wanted to have um, a regional campaign and they wanted to have something that was different because all the beer adverts looked the same, sounded the same. And they wanted something that would be, you know, different. So they pulled together a creative team, you know, of course, you know, Nigeria is the biggest market for Guinness that's in Africa. They pulled, pulled a team from Nigeria, from uh, London, from Cape Town to work on a new brief. And so we came up on this storytelling angle to uh, the Guinness brand. But how would they make capable that at the end of it, we wanted to have a hero whose story we would tell that would be, make um, the consumer see that, you know, this is not just an ordinary beer. It's a beer that has some more seriousness, some more depth. And so even in the advertising, the difference was some that was going to make, you know, positioned it in that manner. But in the choice of the name, I always like to protest that um, it was against my wish because I, they asked me for some names we could use and we proposed different names. And somebody came back from Cape Town and said uh, they actually prefer to use Udeme. And I said, why? You're going to embarrass me. They, they know I'm involved with this production. They know I'm in advertising. And you call, if you said about the advert, my friend Udeme is a stupid guy. I won't mind. But saying my friend Udeme is a great guy, it's, you know, a great man. I mean, it's like self-aggrandizement. And I know I'm involved with it. But, I was overruled and the final word was that it's just two days to break the campaign. If we change, we're going to lose one month to go back to the client. So I will let it go. So it's turned out to be one of the most iconic ads in Nigerian advertising. I'm, I'm very proud to have been involved and thank God for that. And without a doubt, my friend Udeme is a great man. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you for the time. Maybe before we go, I mean, you've been asking all the questions and I think it's, uh, it's my turn to, to, go, to go on the offensive, you know? <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, looking at your profile, I've been amazed, you know, um, how you've taken Bosworth Consulting across borders, you know, beyond Nigeria. I mean, I had my ambitions of just crossing maybe into Cameroon or, or Ghana, but I see you've been across Africa, even to South America. One, what informed this and what kind of challenges did you, did you face on this journey across borders? All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, so it wasn't planned, you know, and I know we had several conversations earlier about it was purely acts of God, really. When I founded the business, what was critical for me was about setting up a business that could match international standards. And I would say to them jokingly and say, you know, whatever you're doing, if you take it from Nigeria and take it to Miami, will it work? You know, so every time we we'll just be joking and say, does this word enter Miami? We say, Shelly, what Miami? That was like our, our thing, you know, whatever it is, we're like, Shelly, what Miami? And, you know, it was about, you know, telling ourselves that no matter what we're doing, we shouldn't say because we are in Nigeria, you know, so the standards must be Nigerian. You know, so it was about doing things with international standards. And so what happened was our clients came that we were working with in Nigeria. So when we do work for them, they get promoted and then they are, they, they are transferred to other regions. So our first uh, activity out of Nigeria was in Guinea Conakry. So we're sitting down and somebody says, oh, you know, this thing that you're doing, can you do it in Guinea Conakry? I'm like, yes, <laughs> we can do it in Guinea Conakry. I had no idea where Guinea Conakry was or what it was and where, what, what language it was about. And it was when I stepped out that I realized that 
it was francophone and you know i had no idea but somehow somehow god helped us and we did it it was purely based on just institutionalizing you know integrity whatever it is that we commit to we would do and it was about that standard and before we knew it they were promoted to south america they took us along and we have gone to about 12 13 countries and every day you know new uh, countries are opened up to us but it's essentially the grace of god and the fact that we are very, we are very particular about the standards so it's not a nigerian standard but it's a global standard whatever it is that we do we try it's very painful you know very difficult you know but i think the team kind of now they understand what it is that we're trying to do i'll say congratulations you've done extremely well i'm, I'm amazed i'm i'm inspired <laughs> thank you very much thank you very much mr udeme ufos it's been an amazing amazing session thank you very much for sharing your join journey with us and thank you everyone for joining and we look forward to welcoming you on the next podcast series bye thank you for listening to this episode of journeys in entrepreneurship this interview was recorded in a live studio session on the 11th of August, 2023 at the Faith Foundation office in Ilukeju, Lagos, Nigeria. We look forward to hearing about your haha moments in the comment section of this podcast app and we hope you watch out for the next episode. Thank you.